This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's a joy to be with you today. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a marvelous holiday. I certainly did. I was able to be with my family. Thank God. My father got out of the hospital and came out of, really, he had gone to uh, to get rehab. The people at Northwestern are very, very kind to him. Every time he's gone into the hospital, they send him directly to rehab to help him to speak better, move, have greater movement. And we just send special love to the people and to the staff, to the doctors, to everyone who works at Northwestern and at Shirley Ryan. Thank you for always being so kind to our family. Hey, everybody. It is November 27th. 2023. It is just four weeks away from Christmas. Will we have peace in the Middle East for Christmas? One wonders. We're going to talk today about um, something that's been happening, a story that came up over the past few days. I think we should all be concerned about it. Hill Harper, we have known and loved Hill Harper as an actor uh, for many, many years now. Very successful, but many of you may not know he and Former President Obama were classmates at Harvard Law School. He's a lawyer, and he's a union organizer, and he has a really, really has a really rich, rich, rich background. Rich background. He's done a lot, and now he's running for the U.S. Senate in Michigan. Well, a businessman who has contributed heavily to APAC offered him twenty million dollars to run against Rashida Tlaib. $20 million, $10 million in bundled contributions, $10 million in other contributions. Okay. Um, it was a private conversation. It didn't last long. And uh, he said, no, thank you. But the conversation became public. So he had to say, hey, yeah, well, I said no, and I'm loyal, and I'm not going to do that to Congresswoman to leave. So I want to know what your thoughts are about that today. We're going to talk with Nina Turner. That's right. Nina Turner, the famous spokesperson for Bernie Sanders, former state senator Nina Turner from Ohio. This is what happened to her when she ran uh, in her race in Ohio. APEC money flooded in against her and took her out. It almost happened to Summer Lee in Pennsylvania. Uh, this is what was happening to Reverend Jackson during his campaigns and on and on and on. And the Intercept uh, online magazine said, you know, this is that APAC targets black progressives in particular. So let's talk about this, because now more than half of the Congressional Black Caucus, unlike the black caucus that we knew when I was growing up 30, 40 years ago, uh, more than half of them have big APAC money. So what does that do to the consensus when the overwhelming majority of black people want a ceasefire, when they want um, Palestinian justice to be married to Israeli security? There's a lot going on. So I want to know what your thoughts are. Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. What about this money? And it could be APAC. It could be the gun lobby. It could be so many different entities that really try to hold on to the vote. Perhaps that is why, even though 68% of Americans, some polls say 66%, many say 68%, more and more Americans want a ceasefire. And they don't want it just for four days. They want a permanent ceasefire, and they want peace in the Middle East. And yet, pitifully few, not even 10% of the Congress, 
U.S. House of Representatives will sign on to it. They're too scared to. They can't because their money is telling them to do something else. So what does that say about American politics? I want you to call me. That's 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. And um, I want to hear your thoughts today. Call me at 773-763-9278. Got a tremendous panel who are going to talk to us about this today on the Santita Jackson Show. In the meantime, according to these headlines from the Washington Post, Hamas has released dozens of hostages over the weekend. Thank goodness for that. Israeli women and children, including a four-year-old American Israeli, Abigail Idan. And Thai and Philippine nationals uh, were released this weekend. More set to be released from Gaza today. And of course, interestingly, they call the Palestinians, many of whom have not been charged, they call them the prisoners. Well, they're all hostages. How about that? Palestinians were released too. Good thing, everybody. Three Palestinian students were injured in a shooting in Vermont. They were wearing the kafiyas, so they were readily identified in Burlington, which, interestingly enough, is where. Bernie Sanders had been mayor when we met him more than 40 years ago. A gunman approached the students in Burlington on Sunday and shot them at least four times. One was shot close to the spine before fleeing, police said. Police are looking into the possibility that it was a race or hate motivated crime. A 40 year old man was 48 year old man was arrested. Uh, in the shooting, federal authorities say that there have been there has been a rise in threats against Arab. Jewish and Muslim communities since the Israel-Gaza conflicts began last month. President Biden will skip a leader summit at the climate talks in Dubai this week. World leaders will gather at COP28, the annual UN climate change conference. Friday and Saturday, Biden has attended the past two gatherings. The U.S. is the world's largest historical emitter of greenhouse gases. Biden's absence could raise questions about his commitment to tackling this problem and nurturing the former Minneapolis police officer who uh, had his foot, his, his knee on the neck of George Floyd. Well, he was seriously injured in Arizona in prison on Friday. Uh, Minnesota's attorney general said he was taken to a hospital for treatment. He was convicted of the 2020 murder of George Floyd, which sparked nationwide protests. However you slice it, whatever way you slice it, you certainly pray for his health and strength and pray for his family because that's got to be so frightening to them, everybody. In Chicago, we'll have a high of 28 degrees, partly sunny. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 23 degrees and sunny in the NFL tonight. Oh, Chicago, excuse me, Chicago and the Vikings will be playing at 7.15 p.m. Oh, I can't wait. Excuse me, and in in the NBA. The Nets 118, the Bulls 109. The Timberwolves, though, however, they were triumphant over the Grizzlies. 119-97 in the NHL. The Blues 4, Chicago 2, the Red Wings 4, the Wild 1. <coughs> and those, excuse me, are some of the headlines that I cough and cough and cough. My gospel sister, I'm going to have you take it away, Pam Morris, <laughs> so that Walton, so okay. that I can get me some I got water. It. Uh, okay, I've got it. I've got it. Good morning, and hope your Thanksgiving was a wonderful one. Thanks. I'm so happy to hear about your father and the progress that is happening, and also season's greetings to you. Recognizing oh, the seasons of life. We are recognizing the seasons of life. And I think about this, Tantita, and good morning to all of your viewers and listeners. <clears throat> What a wonderful sight, the first buds 
of spring are each year. And in the same way that winter gives way to spring and summer ushers in fall, we go through seasons in our lives. Even when we have a clear direction, even when we reach our target destination, we sometimes feel that God keeps us there only a season. So we know, we have to know where we're going in life. And we have to know when it's time to leave. I want to say it one more time. So we have to know where we're going in life, recognizing the seasons of life. And we have to know when it's time to leave. And sometimes we have a difficult season and situation too soon. And we miss a blessing God has waiting for us because we didn't hold on. We left. And other times we stay put when it's past time for us to leave. Then we're in danger of stagnating spiritually and emotionally. Leaving too soon or staying too soon can add tremendous stress to an already stressed out life. Not every season of your life may be springtime. But knowing what a winter season is, just that it's a season, everybody, it will help you remain where God wants you until it's time to move forward. Oftentimes, I read Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, the first through the eighth verse. I will not do that this morning. But it starts out with, to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. And it goes on and it goes on. So it is equally important to know God. Each day, God is trying to tell us something. Each day, God is trying to tell us something. Each day, we must listen because he does instruct us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. We do not have to ask for an entire loaf at that time. We ask for daily bread, whatever we need to sustain and help us through that particular day in our life, our season of life. So ask God to help you to identify and understand the seasons in your life. Is this a time to move? Is it a time to stay put? Is it a time to work hard or work harder? Or is it a time to rest and relax? To everything, there is a season. We're just recognizing the season of life. Thank you, Santita, and have a great week and day. A lot of things to you, but let me just ask you this question very quickly. Um, Yes. Sometimes we have so much noise going on in our own heads that we don't recognize the signs. You know, that's, I mean, for people who are very, very in touch with themselves, okay. But Mm -hmm. a lot of us, you know, I mean, sometimes I have to stop and go, wait a minute. I think the Lord was trying Mm -hmm. to talk to me right then. I I missed it. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, for, you know, for those of us who are just really struggling to, to get in touch with that part of ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I heard my husband say recently to someone that thousands of thoughts run through our mind every day. But you've got to be wise enough, strong enough, spiritual enough, got yourself together enough to know the right thoughts, to know the right thing. Because, see, God doesn't do wrong. Mm. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't do wrong. We do, but he doesn't. So are we following his direction? Hmm. I don't, yeah, I think that, I think that's hard for us. Really, really difficult. It is. But you know, but you're right. You're right. But I mean, how do you know to even ask that question? Right? I know his voice. I know his voice. I know it's one. Okay. I know the difference. Okay. He's not gonna lead. He's not gonna lead you wrong. He never does, and never will. Amen to that. So you have Thank to be strong enough. You have to be strong enough to know which direction to take. Sometimes, if you're driving down the street and you just don't know what's up ahead, and something in your mind says, go left instead of right, and you don't listen, and you go right instead of left, and you run right into a situation that your mind told you moments or seconds ago, don't go that way. Okay. That's why I follow Waze, W-A-Z-E, in my car, because sometimes it says, no, don't hit the expressway. I'm going to take you to streetway. But you're going to still get there. That's it. Thank you for that. <laughs> because you will you're hear welcome. that little voice that will tell you, no, no, go here. No, yeah. do this. Yeah. It's, it's that yeah, still small it? voice. But do you, you follow it? Yeah, but no. do you follow it? Okay. Maybe no, we should don't. follow that still voice. And it'll be different in all of our lives. Not just my life, not just your life, but everybody's life. I was riding down Dan Ryan the other day in Chicago, because I know you have people from all over. And the Lord told me to get off of the Dan Ryan. And I said, well, I'm almost at 31st Street where I need to get off. The Lord said, get off. I got off before 31st Street, because at 31st Street, there was a accident where three cars had ran into each other and the traffic, I didn't even see it. Stop. And went the other way. Still coming south. I'm sorry, still going north. And I saw it. I said, thank you, Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. So listen to that small voice as you recognize the seasons in your life. Thank you for that. Read Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. It'll tell you it, there's every, in everything there is a season. There is a time and a season. Sometimes you don't need to go do that. You need to wait. Follow that small voice. Thank you, Santita. Love you. I love you, and thank you for that. <laughs> you know, sometimes you everybody, it's the little things, it's the little things that we're yeah. missing, it's the little yeah. things that we're missing. Yeah. A little ways, yeah, a yeah, little ways, yeah, a little ways. Yeah. Sending you so much love today. Yeah. Uh, I hope you had Thank a wonderful you. holiday. Thank you for picking up for me as I was I coughing did. and whatnot. Ooh. Yeah, 
It's all right. It's okay. And you sound better. I was in Pensacola with my youngest son, and he oh. was doing well. He is my youngest son, and he's 50 years young. And, and I cooked dinner for him. You looking, like, you looking like you in your 40s. Girl, get on out of here. Be quiet. <laughs> I love you. See you later. Oh, uh-huh. Okay, I, I'm happy. I love her. Ain't that nothing. She's she, she, she just, she just be giving us the good news and then coming on here not telling the truth. You know your son is 25. Oh. That's it. No, no. Oh, he's, he's two years younger than my oldest. Get, get, like I said, he, I'm going to get off of here so that the Lord doesn't strike us both. Okay. Me for believing okay. you kind you of sort here she looks you, you like she's going. Look, okay. look like you're over forty. Get out of, get on out of here. Well, this, this, <laughs> this is God. This is God. And this sure is. Heart, he done blessed me with a second chance at life, honey. And I'm doing well. And I thank God. I thank God. I don't thank nobody else now. I thank now God. how can we get your thank book? Him we need to because uh, you need to well, tell let me us tell about you this. this book. Let me t- uh-huh. let me tell you this, and I'm gonna say it real quick because you must. I know you must move on. Every every 34 seconds, one person dies from cardiovascular disease, and I'm still here breathing because I have someone's heart. And I wrote my story. It's called 57 Days." Everybody, the wait for a new heart marks a spiritual journey of faith and love. You don't have to get an autographed copy. You're hearing me now. But go to Amazon. Order it from Barnes & Noble. It's an e-book. Or get an autographed copy at PamMorrisSpeaks.com. I love you. I love you. I love you, everybody. That's the testimony. No test, no That's testimony. It. And, it's a true, and it's a true story. It's a true mm. story, everybody. I don't look like what I've been through. No, that's a whole lot. And thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, I love Kim Morris, our gospel sister, just helping us to get along now, everybody. And, you know, sending much love to the family of Minister Louis Farrakhan. We were at his son's service on Saturday. It was a wonderful service. Joshua was a wonderful, wonderful young man. Um, Wouldn't hurt a fly. And all you heard uh, throughout the mosque was how he helped people and how much love he gave to people throughout the course of his life. He was just 64 years of age, uh, but had lived a really, really full life. Indeed, their uh, media ministry was created by him. And, um, and I, I've known him for so many decades. And, and um, what I've learned from my Muslim brothers and sisters is that you cry the first day because... The person is missing from your life, but you rejoice the second day and after that, because now they're with God. And I pray that peace upon um, Mother Khadijah, Minister Farrakhan, his surviving siblings, um, his children, his grandchildren, uh, his nieces, his nephews. So many of us miss him, but I'm trying to learn how to rejoice because I know that he's with God. He's joined Denise Lewis. Ramsey Lewis lost another one of his children. Uh, my next-door neighbor, she was my big sister. And so many people are going home. And so everybody, please let someone who is here today, let them know that you love them and mean it. Let them know. Because any argument you might have had doesn't even matter. It really doesn't matter. So coming up, we've got Nina Turner, everybody. Nina Turner to talk to us about what happened in her race. Now it's coming out. 
That's right. Hill Harper was offered $20 million to drop his Senate race and to run against Rashida Tlaib. You can't make this stuff up. But now we're kind of seeing how this thing works. And what do you think about it? Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763. WCPT back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a few minutes. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is uh, just a few days after Thanksgiving, just a few weeks before Christmas. Can you believe the year is already moving forward? Hey, I'm Santita Jackson coming to you. On WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, and YouTube, meet my family over here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. That's right. I've got, ooh, Robert, Andre, Gary, oh my goodness, how many of you are, Joyce, and Laura, and Mark, and Miss Wanda in North Carolina, and Barbara in Oak Park, Jewel up there in New York, sending you all so much love today. Shirley from beautiful Philadelphia. Never forget that. And everybody, please call us at 773-763. Hey, Renee and Yolanda at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. What do you make of this $100 million fund, which we talked about, that APAC has set up? Um, to go after progressives, particularly the squad. Indeed, the Intercept said they are targeting black progressives in particular, black progressives in particular. And, um, and well, if you don't believe it, look at Hill Harper. Of course, Hill Harper is this tremendous, uh, you know, this tremendous actor. We've been watching Hill Harper develop down through the years. Everybody loves Hill Harper. Got a little bit of crush on him, too. And he's a brilliant young man. He is a classmate from Harvard Law School of... President Obama's. Did you know that? Yeah. Harvard-trained lawyer, um, but a really progressive young brother. And he is out here. Um, he's been a union organizer. He always does that. And um, you didn't know that this actor, who's won the NAACP Image Award uh, down through the years, this author, how many of us knew that he was... So brilliant and so prepared. And so now he's running for the U.S. Senate in Michigan. And um, uh, Senator Stabenow is retiring. And he got, a, he got a call. And he kept it confidential. He said there's no need to talk about it. But it leaked. So it is now out here. Well, it turns out that a prominent supporter of APAC offered him $20 million. $20 million dollars to abandon his U.S. Senate campaign and to run against Rashida Tlaib. $20 million just from him alone to get Rashida Tlaib out of that seat. So what do you think about that, everybody? Lyndon Nelson, who was a prominent entrepreneur up in Michigan, he's been involved, heavily involved in APAC for years. He's donated to Democrats and Republicans. That's why I tell you, as we talk about, you know, 
uh, the parties. No, 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 no. People who have their interests, they do not pay attention to parties. This is about power. And they use each party so they can flex their power. You need to understand that. All I ask is that if you're going to be a black Republican, flex for me in that space. And I'm going to flex for us over here. How about that? If you're going to be an independent, if you're going to be in the Green Party, just fight the good fight wherever you are. But it was a 20 million dollar offer. It came October 16th after Rashida Tlaib joined Cory Bush and others in introducing this resolution that Congressman Jackson is Jonathan Jackson is a part of to back the immediate de-escalation and ceasefire in Gaza. So this man decided to go after her, not not just this man, this mechanism. And we saw this as we saw uh, as we've seen in many other races, but perhaps we didn't recognize it, but we saw it with Nina Turner. Many of us expected her to go to, go to Congress. She was she had a commanding lead until this so-called dark money came into her campaign. Wow. So let's talk about this with Nina Turner. And, of course, we have got uh, Attorney Robert Petillo. Uh, we have got... Of course, he is national leadership team of Rainbow Push, host of his own show on WAOK every Sunday from 1 to 4 Eastern Standard Time out of Atlanta. You've got attorney C.K. Hoffler. Of course, she has her she has a segment on this show, but she also has her own show on WAOK every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. And she's the chair of Rainbow Push and the former president of the National Bar Association. We're so excited to have her. We're excited to have Dwight McKee. Uh, brilliant social scientist, and uh, Reverend Stephen Thurston, uh, pastor of the New Covenant Missionary Baptist Church in Chicago. He and his family have held that pastorate for about 90 years, and um, he's very, very active in the community um, and has been very active in building bridges with uh, the black and Muslim and the black and Jewish community. So I'm really glad that he's here today. But why don't you start, start us off, Senator Turner, and what do you make of this story? $20 million, Senator Nina Turner? Whoa. Yeah, well, I mean, good morning, everybody. On that note, I mean, you laid it out, uh, SJ. This is really about power. And oftentimes, everyday people who are just trying to make it through their lives are not tuned into this kind of stuff until we bring it to their attention. So I definitely salute you for covering stories like this so that the everyday people can get an understanding. Just absolute power corrupts absolutely. And as you laid out, a lot of big money donors, not all, but a lot of big money donors, if they don't, if their only conviction conviction is power, then they do donate to both sides of the aisle. And that's why the corporatist wings of both parties are dangerous to democracy and they're dangerous to the needs, the wants, the desires, and the dreams of everyday people. Yes, my race, the special election in 2021, in May of 2021, I was 30 points ahead of my competitors, or 30 points ahead of my competitor. And then... Uh, DMFI, which is an arm, the Democratic Majority for Israel, uh, jumped in on behalf of my uh, major competition. There are several people in that race, but it really came down to two of us. And not only that, this person put what is known as a red box on their website. I just want the listeners to know that when you, you are not supposed to legally, air quotes, coordinate with PACs, but you can send them signals 
see loophole in the law. So I know the attorneys on here can just break that down loophole in the law. And what my competitor did was put a message on the, on, on her website to signal to them what she wanted them to go after me for all legal air quotes, all legal. And so you have a situation where these two groups now want to spend a hundred million dollars to go after primarily squad members, primarily black people, primarily black women. Although there's an asterisk, they will go after Jewish people as well if they don't deem them sufficiently Jewish. They went after Congressman Andy Levin, defeating him. Um, they went after Senator Bernard Sanders in after his right after his heart attack. Sisters and brothers and family and friends. The man wasn't upright like for a hot minute and they went after him on his age. They never go after you over Israel or Palestine because they know that that does not really resonate with the, with the regular voter. They'll find something and go after you for, but internally they'll go after you on that, those particular issues. I can tell you that my Jewish allies sent me emails of just a whole group of Jewish people fund, don't, fundraising off of me all over the country to try to defeat me, calling me everything but a child of God. And you know why they did that? Only because I would not disavow the squad. And I was told by a prominent Jewish businessman in Cleveland that if I did not disavow the squad, that they were going to come at me with everything that they had and that is that Palestinians had no right that Israel had to recognize. And because I was not willing to do those things, not willing to sell my soul, not willing to go against what I believe is in the interest of both both Israelis and Palestinians, they did just that. And they had the help of, so it wasn't just DMFI and APAC. They also had the help of prominent Republicans. 4,000 Republicans crossed over in that special election primary to vote for my competitor. And then they also had uh, mainline neoliberals like uh, Jeffrey, uh, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries and others, uh, Richie Torres and others who came into this district. Winning, beating me was so important that the president of the United States endorsed this woman and he couldn't, he didn't know her from Adam. That's how important it was for them to defeat me. So I ran in 2021 for a special election. And then I ran again in 2022 for the regular election cycle. And by the time we got to 2022, it was like eight months later, they had perfected how to come at me. And now you can see they're using this same tool to go at progressives primarily who are standing up for peace. That's their only crime here is that they're standing up for peace. Hmm. Call us at 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. What do you make of this $20 million? Yes. Just one other point I want to make. And just because they, because they will be on social media, APAC and DMFI saying, oh, we support Democrats. I want y'all to know, APAC supported 106 Republicans who denied that Biden won the election. I want you to underline it, bold it, underscore, okay? Going back to what Sister SJ, what you said was so profound. This is about power. Let mm-hmm. me put that there. My second point is that these organizations should be made to file as, as, as foreign uh, interests. We talk about that because their only interest is not what matters to the people in Ohio or Illinois or California. Pick your state. It was, it's what matters to the interest of the state of Israel. So they don't care at all about what poor 
black, brown, or white people need in the greater Cleveland area, for example. So I want you to understand that. And then the, my third point, it doesn't matter that they got black faces on the other side. Because what they will say is that we support blacks, we support progressives, you can't call us anti-black. No, I'm calling you anti-black. But because you come in here and you use other black people who allow themselves to be used, let me say this, um, as a shield so that when we bump up against you and expose the, the organizations for what they are, they will stand up and say, we're not anti-black. We support it. They said that to me on social media. We supported a black woman against you. So what you did was you took away the opportunity of the people of the 11th Congressional District to make a judgment call without your money infiltrating and diluting and, and, and disparaging. That's what they did. Now, they didn't hit me in public on Israel-Palestine. What they hit me on public was that I was not sufficiently loyal to the Democratic Party and to this president. And because I, you know, I told the truth in a very uh, animated way about this person becoming president, and I have turned out to be prophetic. That's what they use. They use the angry black woman trope. And what I want to say to the black community in particular, and then all everybody else that's just listening in on the barbecue, we don't always have to agree or, or support the same candidates, but what we should not do is allow any outside force, and I mean any, I don't care who they are, to come into our communities and decide who's going to be our leaders. Let's duke it out. Candidates should do everything to win. They should do they should do everything to win, but not anything to win. And that's what this turned out to be, anything to win. Um, and now we see that this strategy that they have used is percolating all over the country. A hundred million dollars just because those Congress members are advocating for peace. Hmm. Well, Robert Patillo, what do you make of this? <laughs> Robert Patillo, well, wait, was that you, Pastor, Pastor Thurston? Go for it. What? It, it was. She made a key point. And in the religious space, I see this happen all the time. We have black pastors who gather together other black ministers and church members to take them to Israel. And all of these trips are sponsored. That's right. And so do they mean? do this, as she said. I'll get a call from a pastor. Hey, man, you want to take two of your members with me over to Israel? It's a free trip or a highly reduced trip. We're being sponsored. They're going to take care of us. They're going to treat us well. They're going to introduce us to people. And we see this happen. I've seen this happen over my 25 years of pastoral ministry on a regular basis, on a yearly basis. And they get these pastors in their pockets. So when issues like our current issue is at hand, we have these pastors that will go on their pulpits, go on their social media platforms, and preach and push propaganda supporting Israel, ignoring everything that Israel has done and continues to do to harm and to hurt people, innocent men, men women, children. <clears throat> and so they built this base here. So again, they got black face supporting and pushing uh, their negative ways. I'll say it that way to be nice. Well, is it, I mean, so what is the payoff for these pastors? Oh, money to your nonprofit, help to build your community center, money in your pocket. It's the same play at the political level that just comes down to the pastoral level. Whew. Wow. Uh, Robert Patillo? Oh, no, 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 Pastor Thurston, please continue. It centers the prophetic voice of the black preacher. That's what it does. It makes him a eunuch in the pulpit. 
<sighs> Tell it. Go okay, ahead, Pastor. Please. Did you see that in your race? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A whole bunch of black teachers got together and, and bumped up against me, even though they knew they knew in their hearts that what DMFI and APAC was doing was wrong. They knew what was being said about me was wrong. They did exactly what the pastor said. And also over the course of my political career, I have been invited to go just what pastor is describing right now. And I'm so glad that I never did want to sponsor you, want to get you there. I'm only going to show you what they want you to see so that then pastor hit it. Hey, he already preached the sermon, but absolutely preachers did that in my race. And I was also invited as many of these elected officials. If you ask them, these elected officials who are backed by APAC and DMFI, Democratic Majority for Israel, most of them, nine out of 10, they have been invited and had a trip paid or as the pastor said, uh, significantly reduced. For them to go over to Israel, and then when they come back here, they've already been indoctrinated, and they won't say a word. Even even in the face of things that cannot be excused, like this moment right now, they still will not stand up and do the right thing. Robert Patillo. And on that same note, we see this happen with members of the media also, uh, where if you start becoming a prominent voice in, uh, in uh, media on either a Democratic or the conservative side, you'll start getting emails inviting you on these trips to Israel, inviting you to conferences, all its paid trips to Las Vegas uh, in order to attend a speaking session with APAC, etc. So do those which become, the, to be, uh, become propaganda pieces in, in the media, the parent that those same lines appeared that same propaganda and to push this idea that there could be no two sides to the argument, no two sides to the voice. Uh, as Susan said, you have to follow the money in these situations, and particularly for these quote-unquote squad members, uh, which I don't understand why it's a derisive term, they're bumping up against not just the Israeli lobby, but also the military-industrial complex lobby. The military-industrial complex was nothing more than to sell more bombs to Israel, to sell more bombs to Ukraine, uh, to sell more fighter jets Etc. So when you're talking about a ceasefire peace, you're talking about taking money out of their pockets. Uh, they're pushing up against the uh, uh, the American imperial lobby, which wants a bigger American footprint around the world. And so when we're looking at these situations, this is why progressive voices are so important, why grassroots progressive voices are so important, because they are the only uh, the only mechanism by which we have to push back against the massive amounts of money that are pushing for globalism, that are pushing for eternal warfare, and they're are pushing for this conceptualization of European imperialism and colonialism existing in a new way and a new voice uh, going forward. The only thing keeping uh, the European continent alive uh, is there's a continued colonial power that exists throughout the developing world, Israel being a prime example of this. And we have to stand up and say that we were, we're going to have a new world order where everyone has equal rights. It cannot simply be in name only. It also has to be a practice, and that's what these members of Congress are steady have been doing, and it's where the community has to support them. Mm. Call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Tracy, I want to get your question, but I need you to, uh, if, you could, if you could clarify it for me so that, I can, so that I can ask it. Ashley King worked on your campaign. Now, Ashley is in Memphis um, and said that, whew, you're right. You were 30 points plus ahead in the polls, and then you literally could not buy any TV spots, Nina Turner, because they'd all been bought out. 
Wow. Um, attorney yeah. seek. Oh, wow. I mean, is that what happened? I mean, part of it. I mean, I say okay. you and I in the panel, and I'm just style. loving this. I mean, we could talk <laughs> about this. The, the, the contours of this, there's a lot of contours to this. And I'll leave there's many, many layers to this. And I am going to write about this in great detail at, at some point. But uh, Sister is absolutely right. Well, you know, hey, I want you to call us at 773-763-9278. Attorney C.K. Hoffler. Pam, just hold on a minute, honey. I'm, I've got two minutes. Attorney C.K. Hoffler. Good morning. You know, Cynthia, I want to put this in the context very briefly of the international community. So there's a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act where you're not able as a U.S. citizen to try to, you know, bribe if you have contracts overseas. You're not able to bribe um, or to give money as incentive to winning a contract you know, a foreign government official or anything like that. Um, that's illegal. And in many countries, we've criticized many countries that have had a system where you basically, it's a pay-to-play. You know, you want a contract, you come in, you're a French company, um, where it was not heretofore illegal to offer incentives to government officials. You're bidding on a contract in, in um, let's just say, Gabon, hypothetically. You pay, you know, you put up front, hey, 50, let me give you, 50,000 euros or 100,000 euros, you know, just for you and your family. And uh, by the way, wink, wink, you know, we want to win this contract and you win the contract. You have an American citizen who tries to do the same and it's illegal. So the reason why I raised that is because this is the, really demonstrates the hypocrisy of our system here. The only difference now, so th- this is the way it's always been. The only difference now is that it's coming to light. The only difference now is that we do have a Nina Turner who can talk about this is what happened to me and this is how it manifests. The only difference now is that we have a country, we have a very divided country. Um, We know this from the last presidential elections, but we also have a very divided country as it relates to the war in Gaza. So what we are seeing is a manifestation of what has always been business, always been business and part of the political machinery, we just didn't see it targeting African-American progressives in such a in-your-face, slap-you way. That's the difference. And the other difference, I believe, is that people are now in a better, feel more empowered to speak against this, to say something about it. You know, information is power. Knowledge is power. So while this is technically not illegal, it's not illegal to do this in this country. The question is whether this is the type of democracy that we want. There may not be anything illegal about it, but you have to look a lot of times at the moral fabric of this. You know, we had a faith leader who spoke about this. What is it doing for our communities? And you have to look at people who are representing our communities and what they stand for. So I think this is unfortunate, to say the least. I applaud Nina Turner for speaking up and speaking out about this and being an example of how it can work. And I think it's important for people to know that this happened because that's also the difference. We did not know, many people did not know, this is how our system of government operates because it really is Santita. This is not a new book. It's not a new playbook. It's not a new page from a playbook. It's just now it's more visible and people are recognizing 
that this is what's happening. And they can ask themselves, well, it seems like it's illegal. No, it's not illegal. In our country of government, it is not illegal. I use, I go back to the discussion of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. What, what is illegal is something, it's illegal because it doesn't benefit U.S. interests in the way that Congress wanted to benefit U.S. interests. So that's when things are illegal. But this is perfectly, it's perfectly legal. It may not be, in many minds, legitimate. It may not be fair. It may not be morally where we need to be. But it's legal in this country, and that's what I think we need to focus on. If you want change, change the legality of some laws that allow things like this to happen to the expense of um, a group that's being targeted, meaning progressive African-American leaders. Call me at 773-763-9278. Stay right there, Nina Turner. You can't leave just yet. I know you got to go flex because she is the flyest glamour out there is. But you just wait one minute. I want you to at least open this up on the other side. 773-763-9278. Pam, don't leave. I'm going to bring you up as soon as we get on the other side. On the Santita Jackson Show on WCPT 820 and AM 950 Radio and YouTube, the Santita Jackson Show. Stay right there. We can change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Please meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel as we talk about APAC and its targeting of black progressives, that is a headline from the Intercept magazine, and uh, looking at Hill Harper, uh, the brilliant young actor. You've seen him on CSI New York. He's in, uh, he's, he's acted off-Broadway, very popular young man who's also a Harvard-trained lawyer. He's uh, Barack Obama's classmate. Uh, that's how I know him, and I'm trying to get him on the show in the next couple of days. And um, he... Uh, uh, a an APAC supporter, a very prominent APAC entrepreneur, Lyndon Nelson out of Michigan, uh, said, you know what, I know you're running for the U.S. Senate. You want to replace Debbie Stabenow. And he's having, you know, some challenges getting traction and um, and raising money. But, you know, he's up against, you know, uh, Alyssa Slotkin, who is a sitting member of Congress. And that gives you a tremendous amount of power. She's raising a lot of money, has a tremendous profile, former CIA, too, as by the way. Well, that having been said, um, this man called him out of the blue and said, look, why don't you drop out of that race and run against Rashida Tlaib? I'll give you $20 million to do it. Whoa, $20 million. You do know that the money that you don't spend in a campaign goes right into your pocket. It can So we need to talk about that because now the Congressional Black Caucus, you're seeing a fight within the Congressional Black Caucus because now uh, more than half of the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, they heavily they are heavily funded by APAC. So the Congressional Black Caucus, the progressive Congressional Black Caucus that we knew 20, 30, 40 years ago. Well, that's changed. So let's talk about that today. Let's talk about that today. And we saw it so clearly in Nina Turner's campaign. We saw it in Summer Lee's campaign. She fought tooth and nail to get that seat out of Pennsylvania. Jamal Bowman, we saw it there. You just keep seeing it 
over and over and over again. And now there's a $100 million set aside by APAC to go after these progressives. The Intercept said specifically it's black progressives. So what do you think about that? I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Let me get a couple of these headlines out the way. Thankfully, Hamas released dozens of hostages this weekend. Israeli women and children, including four-year-old American Israeli Abigail Adan and... Many prisoners who have not been charged, by the way, uh, who are Palestinian, they were released also. Good for them. Three Palestinian students, sadly, were injured in a shooting. They were shot. They were shot. The gunman approached them as they were wearing their kafiyeh and um, the, the Palestinian scarf. And uh, they were shot at close range four times before he fled. This 48-year-old man has been arrested. President Biden will skip a leader summit on climate talks in Dubai this week. Derek Chauvin, uh, of course, in 2020, he was convicted of the, of the, of course, he was convicted of the 2020 murder of George Floyd. Well, he was seriously injured in Arizona on Friday. Uh, whatever you think about that, and of course, what we saw was horrific. You certainly pray for his recovery and pray for his family's comfort, everyone. In Chicago, we're going to have a high. It's chilly today, everybody. A high of 28 degrees, partly sunny. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 23 degrees, sunny. In the NFL, Chicago, we're playing the Vikings tonight. Who you got? Mm, AM 950 Radio. Chicago's WCPT. Oh, it's going to be great. In the NBA, the Nets 118, the Bulls 109. But the Timberwolves were triumphant, 119 to 97 over the Grizzlies. In the NHL, the Blues 4, Chicago 2, the Red Wings 4, and the Wild 1. And those are some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson show. Uh, Pastor Stephen Thurston, I know you are running. So what was the point that you wanted to make? I mean, because you um, gave us some information that many of us did not know, how we think that uh, the that APAC and this this Israeli lobby is just pushing on the political front. But you're saying, no, no, they're coming into the church. Is it under the aegis of Christian Zionism? How are they doing it? And particularly the black church. Because the yes. black church moved the needle on this through Reverend Jackson and his advocacy of Israeli security and Palestinian rights in the late 70s and 80s. Right? So yes. talk to me. Uh, there's a muting of the moral voice of the black pulpit, and many black pulpits have actually been turned into plantations because money has come in, money from different entities, organizations, and individuals that don't have the best interests of black people uh, at heart. And so with this particular issue that's been raised um, today, we see individuals and organizations sponsoring black pastors to gather other black pastors or parishioners from their various churches to come to Israel to be shown a particular picture of Israel and then sent back to the United States to serve as ad, ad, advocates and allies. And so with issues like what we currently see happening in the Middle East take place, we have black preachers who will not use their moral voice to tear down uh, what's happening to hurt, harm, and hinder innocent people, but instead we'll support it, and then we'll try to bastardize the Bible to to back up this erroneous position that's being held and taken. And so we have to be mindful, as as the seasoned saints would say, all our skin folk and our kin folk, and that's even happening in the black pulpit. Wow! 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 Uh, Nina Turner, I know you, you're running with us. You're running today. What what statement do you want to make? 
something for people to just be aware. And when you know better, we got to do better. I mean, in the face of such atrocities, uh, leave no doubt that what Hamas did on uh, October the 7th was horrendous, immoral, and illegal. No doubt about it. No doubt. And nobody that has a moral consciousness would say that it, it, is, it was okay what they did. So if they're saying it's okay, then they don't have a moral consciousness. It's not okay. And it is not okay what Israel is doing to innocent Palestinians. Uh, more than half of them women and children. But I don't even want to qualify. You know, it's just amazing to me. I think when we, we elevate the children, because in some ways, you, you know, it just goes against all that, 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 that a conscious-minded, loving person, you know, when you see children suffering, you would expect that adults would have even more care and compassion. And what we're seeing, that uh, a lot of people on the pro, totally pro-Israel side, they don't have the same compassion for Palestinians children. Uh, we don't, uh, for me, I, the cries of anybody's children, whether they're Israeli, Palestinian, African, Haitian, doesn't matter to me. Children should, nobody's children should have to endure uh, what the children in the Gaza are enduring right now and how Gaza is almost unrecognizable. And think about the money and the efforts it's going to take to try to physically rebuild the Gaza. But what about psychologically rebuilding the Gaza? And the fact that I think it was uh, Attorney C.K. Hopler who laid this out when we and on the other side is that we that that people are in the knowledge now, and so because we know more, and because of people like you, S.J. and others, the Intercept and other independent media who are really just giving people the full picture, we have got to stand up strong against this type of immoral injustice. You can be pro. Israel or pro-Israeli for their justice and their peace and also be pro-Palestinian for their justice and their peace too. I mean, these things are not mutually exclusive because for both peoples to truly have justice and peace, both peoples have to have justice Justice and and peace. peace. (laughs) There's no way around it. And if anybody says that it is okay, you know, rationalizing this kind of stuff, that 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 Hamas is using a Palestinian as a human shield. Okay, if that is true, does that justify you then going in there just indiscriminately killing these people? If you know that it's wrong and you do it anyway, people need to know that some of those those tunnels that they're finding, they were there before the Palestinians had control of the Gaza. All of those tunnels are not new. So when they show you footage that they see tunnels in the hospital, duh, you know, so, so, so we gotta, we gotta open up our knowledge base. But SJ, one thing should be not up for debate, which is we should all agree that innocent lives should not be taken. People should not be slaughtered. They should not be collective punishment for any group of people. For any reason, and that is what is happening in the Gaza. What are the estimates now? Over 20,000 people dead. How many more people got to die? And yes, I'm so glad that they're releasing hostages on both sides. But, and, and then both sides are saying after this, we going back to fighting. Well, then what are you releasing the hostages into? It, it just doesn't make sense. This is a moral question right now. Call the moral question right now because this could be any of us and any of our children and guess what we going to be we will all be impacted by this one way or the other 
for a lifetime and for the lifetime of our children and our children's children. This has been going on for decades, right? This back and forth, and it'll be decades more unless people have the intestinal fortitude to stand up for a type of truth and justice that knows, that has no respect to person. And we have a president and a Congress, by and large, with the exception of those who signed on to the ceasefire, who are aiding and abetting the slaughter of innocent Palestinians. You know, and it imperils the security of Israelis. Nobody's safe until right. everybody's safe. Nobody's going to be safe. I mean, you've got to stop. That's why you have a ceasefire. Phyllis Bennis calls for a ceasefire on both sides. You've got to stop. When the police come in to stop a conflict, they say, everybody stop. I don't care who did what. Stop. 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 I want you to call us at 773-763-9278. Um, Ari and Dwight, before I get to you, let me go to Pam. Pam has been holding for a minute. Pam, I don't want you to burst. What's going on, Pam? Hi, Santita. Thank you. Hey. Uh, my first thing is this. Um, as a black person, I believe that black people have the right, we have the right to defend ourselves. Uh, and I think we need to stop black hate, anti-black, all of it. I just wanted to make those statements. Uh, I'm really concerned about what I'm hearing um, with APAC because I'm concerned, Santita, not only have they, uh, I guess, infiltrated politics and churches, they're also, I think, doing some work with getting into the, uh, the, um, the community activist realm, if you will. And so that concerns me as well. But, Santita, you and the panel could speak to this because you're talking about the influence. I believe they also did the same thing, APAC, did the same thing to Representative uh, Donald Lewis, I believe. I can't remember what state. And did they also do the same thing to uh, Representative Gus Savage, Santita? Mm-hmm. Yes, was that yes. a, a play into it as well? I, I, I think that was yes. first. So he, he announced it when he gave a speech. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that was embracing of Palestinian rights, and he said this speech will probably get me put out of Congress, and it did. Sure. So and that was thirty years is, ago. Yes. So my question, as always, what is it that we're going to do, or to counteract what APAC does, since they have so much power and so much money? And also, let me ask each of you this, because I, I'm feeling some kind of way about uh, the Jewish community and being our allies. And I know the history with black and Jewish people, and I appreciate that. But, however, I'm not anti-Semitic or Jewish when I have constructive criticism. But I am going on record, Santita, I am anti-Zionist, as I understand what Zionism is and, and their belief. So I'm concerned is APAC led by Zionism. We know that Netanyahu, I think, is a Zionist. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a concern of um, many black people. Can't speak for all, but that's a concern. And and also, here's another question. There was a report, and I haven't heard it again. No, hold on, hold on, because you got a lot. Hold on, because in fact, I want to bring on... Ari, I want you to I want you to jump in here. Ari Bloomcakes, who is the 
executive editor of In These Times magazine, one of my favorite magazines ever. But I want to say this. I think we've got to be very, very careful because sure. every Jewish person is not a Zionist. And I know. looking at the right wing, because this is the right wing that came after Reverend tried to destroy his campaign. That is not the whole, the Jewish community is not monolithic. And so that's why I brought, I've, I've given a space to, if not now, Jewish Voice for Peace and, and uh, CARE, uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations. Because a lot of people have a lot of different feelings about all of this. And so we have to be very, very careful. But I think that you're asking the right questions now because uh, we have to be very specific because, you know, we need to understand the influences in our politics. Stay right there, Pam. But, Ari. Sure. Uh, Ari, excuse me, please help me. And you've you've heard her. And I want you to speak to that, you know, as a you know, just as as one of our young Jewish brothers who does so much brilliant writing at in these times magazine, because now all of these questions are bubbling up questions that we didn't really ask even before October 7th. Ari. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, thanks again for having me on. I mean, I think one of the core issues here. And one of the core issues at the center of APAC's um, attacks on candidates is this conflation of anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism. And when we see that conflation, we see it weaponized against candidates. Um, We generally see it weaponized against candidates of color. And we see it weaponized against the progressives in the Jewish community who are calling for a ceasefire right now. And, you know, the Anti-Defamation League, APAC, and other pro-Israel groups are pushing this narrative as strong as they possibly can because they are deeply terrified of the fact that there could be a progressive Jewish left and there is a progressive Jewish left that is demanding that this violence not be done in our name, that is demanding that this violence stop and that there is an immediate ceasefire. And that's one of the reasons why yesterday... We saw an action on the Manhattan Bridge in New York, where the Manhattan Bridge was blocked for hours and hours and hours. That was led in part by Jewish Voice for Peace, along with uh, other allies, including Linda Sarsour and many other folks. That's why uh, in Chicago, we saw Jewish Voice for Peace, along with If Not Now, along with Never Again, uh, blocking the Israeli consulates and shutting down the Ogilvy Transportation Center. That action was the largest action in the history of the Midwest of progressive Jews uh, for Palestinian liberation. And what we're seeing from the ADL, what we're seeing from its CEO, Jonathan Greenblatt, and what we're seeing from other right-wing leaders in the uh, Israeli and Jewish community is this effort to marginalize progressive Jews, this effort to push progressive Jews to the fringe as much as possible so that they can be seen as wild, they can be seen as nut jobs, so that they can be seen as not valid and illegitimate. And what we're seeing over and over again is that the progressive Jewish left and the progressive left in general in this country absolutely refuses to be marginalized. They absolutely refuse to be put in that place. And I think that, you know, one of the things we're talking about with Congresswoman Tlaib here is someone else that refuses to be marginalized. Congresswoman Khalid uh, refuses to remain silent. And APAC depends on that silence. APAC depends on trying to quiet its critics. And that's not going to happen here. We are entering a new time and a new era 
where this whole idea of being progressive except for Palestine will no longer be a thing. That's not going to be possible anymore after that. And that's one of the things that we're seeing on the progressive left and the progressive Jewish left right now. Well, what about, I mean, I've got about a couple of minutes before we go to break, um, because there is a real attempt, and I want Dwight McKee to speak to this on the other side. There is a real push, Nina, for these progressive Jewish voices to be marginalized. And, I mean, Ari, you take real hits within your community, you know, family, you know, you fall out with your family, you fall out with your uh, with your synagogue. I mean, it's just there's a, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on you. 90 seconds. There is a lot of pressure, um, and, you know, uh, relationships and tensions can be a bit fraught right now. But I think overwhelmingly what we're seeing uh, over the last uh, decade, what we're seeing right now, is that the new generation of uh, Jews, younger Jews right now, are increasingly uh, coming out in support of Palestine, are increasingly critical of Israel. There is a deep generational divide right now. And we are seeing uh, movements in the American Jewish establishment right now as well. Um, we are seeing, uh, you know, uh, a lot of change and movements uh, there. And so I think, you know, while there is a situation where things are a bit fraught right now in some areas, we also are seeing something that we've never seen before. We are seeing a surge in uprise in progressive Jews uh, calling for an immediate ceasefire, calling for Palestinian liberation that we've never seen before. And, you know, up on our homepage right now is a great article by Sarah Lazar and Maya Schwenwa, um that, you know, talks about the history of uh, Jewish anti-Zionism, which has a very long and established history, um, talks about the uh, need to confront the violence of Israel's ethno-nationalist militarism right now. And that is something that is really not uh, fringe anymore at all. That is something that has taken hold, and that is something that APAC and the Anti-Defamation League and uh, other pro-Israel groups are deeply, deeply fearful right now. And that's why you see them calling, if not now, and JVP, all sorts of wild, uh, uh, hateful things, because they are panicking right now. They are absolutely panicking, and they are absolutely afraid, because they know they have lost the next generation of American Jews. They know that uh, this next generation of American Jews and this next generation of American Jewish voters is not with them anymore. Ari Bloomcat, Bloomcat, stay right there, executive editor of In These Times. Dwight, I cannot wait to hear from you. And indeed, Jonathan Greenblatt, who's he's the head of the ADL, yes? Um, yeah. He was in a, it was, there's a news story about him saying uh, to, in a, I guess, in a group call, he said, wait a minute, you guys, you don't understand the nature of this struggle. This is generational. <laughs> We are losing this. So let's not conflate criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism, and let's not paint everybody in a corner. A lot of people feel a lot of different ways about all about this issue because of their life perspective. Stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show. Back in just a minute. Change the world, change the world. We 
This is the Santita Jackson Show. Wow. Has, has this been a loaded conversation today? <laughs> Attorney Robert Patillo said Attorney C.K. Hoffler just left us and Reverend Stephen Thurston just left us. But boy, boy, we're going to have to continue to revisit this. And of course, we uh, Senator Nina Turner stayed with us. I'm so glad that you did because, you know, I know when Reverend Thurston told us that, no, this is not just happening in politics, it's happening in our churches and on and on. And I've seen it. Um, I think it's important for us to look at all of these influences that come in that come into Americans' lives, because America is so important. You know, Quincy Jones said, America's greatest contribution to the world is not our industrial might, but the culture. Because everybody in the world meets here. There's something real special about this place. Whatever your feelings are about it, and we all have our critique, that doesn't mean we don't love it. And so you've got to understand what's happening um, in America so that we can make America what it really is supposed to be and in turn help the world. Get straightened out. Uh, we're so excited to have former Ohio State Senator Nina Turner with us. She had um, tremendous, uh, a tremendous, she took a tremendous hit from APAC. That's, many people feel that's why she's not in Congress now. Hill Harper, uh, CSI New York, get on the bus, brilliant young actor. Um, of course, Harvard-trained lawyer. He and Barack Obama were classmates at Harvard Law School, a union organizer, and on and on and on. He is running for the U.S. Senate in Michigan. He got a call from a prominent supporter of APAC, a very wealthy businessman, Lyndon Nelson, who said, $20 million is yours if you, want to, if you leave this race and run against Rashida Tlaib and take her out. Wow. What do you make of that, everybody? Call us at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. Pam was making some brilliant points. Uh, Attorney C.K. Hoffler just made some brilliant points. Attorney Robert Till, you've made yours. Reverend Dr. Year, I'm going to get back to you. But Ari Bloomcats, executive editor of In These Times magazine, you were making brilliant points about, um, you know, just about the fact that, you know, there is a progressive Community, and we're watch- what we're watching are the actions of really a regressive Jewish community, a right-wing Jewish community, um, and they don't re- they don't represent the 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 Norman Solomons and the Jeff Cohens and you and if not now and on and Phyllis Bennis and I can just keep on going on and on and on. That is, there is another tradition, and indeed, stay right there, Ari, because that's something that Dwight McKee has talked about down through the years. Dwight McKee. Well, you know, this what we have to understand is this is not new. This goes all the back when uh, Rosenwald and Spengarn controlled black politics through the Urban League and the NAACP and used the boy to take out Marcus Garvey. And then when the boy boy lost his value, they took him out. And then they used Jackie Robinson and, and... uh, Roy Wilkins to take out Paul Robeson, and 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 on and on. It's always been a tradition that there's a certain Jewish constituency who funds much of these, many of these black projects and black community and black organizations, and they use that leadership to the advantage of themselves at the advantage of the black community. And when you don't tow the party line then they really kind of pit us against each other. But just the tragedy of it all 
is that, you know, people can't buy your vote unless you, unless you sell it. And, and so it don't matter how much money that they bring to the table, if you're not willing to sell your vote to the highest bidder, then you're still in control. And our problem is that because of our want and our greed and our fear, that we sell our souls to the highest bidder. And so you see a situation like the Black Caucus, who really is a, a lobbying organization for a lobbying organization. They really are an extension of APEC. That's who they've come to be. And you see guys, you know, where historically there have been some, some measure of integrity. Now it's an all-outright sellout in behalf of a community that don't represent them or their constituency because either they are afraid of the money going against them or they want the money for themselves, which is why I applaud Nina so much is because she was unwilling to sell her integrity out for a dollar uh, where most of these guys, particularly in this generation, are not willing to do that. Once we understand that historically, much of our politics and much of our social policy and most of our civil rights organizations have been controlled by people who are not us, who are not operating in our interests, but use us for their own interests. Once we understand that and get past the fear of you know, what they can do to us or the money of what they can do for us, then we can really organize and work in behalf of ourselves. Uh, Ignorance is their greatest uh, uh, ally. Ally. (laughs) Because um, ignorance is their greatest ally because we don't understand history and we don't understand process. And so we are manipulated, the pastors are manipulated, and the Christian church is manipulated by the pretext of Zionism, which is based on a historic pretext that these people have some birthright to uh, Palestine. And, 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 and scripturally, if you really understand the scriptures, you see that that's, you can't justify that with the scriptures. And also the ignorance that we have because we don't understand the history of the relationship between us and ethnic, ethnic, other ethnic organizations. Now, lastly, the reason I just don't fault uh, APEC in the Jewish community is because almost every ethnic group uses us the same way. The Irish play us the same way. The, the, uh, um, uh, Anybody with any power that is playing power politics play us the same way. And so the same way they, the designers use us against the Palestinians, the Democratic, uh, Democratic Party uses us when our interests don't match their interests. And, and it's our ignorance and our greed and our fear that allows us to be used. Well, you know, speaking of ignorance, greed, and fear, Ari, Bloomcats, 
executive editor of In These Times magazine. It just seems like a lot of ignorance and fear. And I want uh, Dr. Yuri and, of course, Nita Scherner to jump in here. Uh, Ari, it, it's feeding a lot. We, we paint the Jewish community as, as a monolith. Um, we don't understand the history. We don't understand how we're using each other and how, how the world is now a mess. Ari. <laughs> Just, you know, I mean, because this, this, this situation shows um, gaping holes in the political system. This is awful. This is awful. I mean, why APAC is not registered as a foreign agent? So we can just say, look, you advocate for Israel. You're not talking about poverty in America, public school funding, none of that. Health care, none of that. It's just, it just seems, it, it's just, it's, it's all off, Ari. I mean, so what do you think Jewish progressives can do to combat this, to deal with this issue? I mean, because Intercept said they're going after black progressives. I mean, why? Why black progressives, Ari? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, the first thing that I'd like to do is, um, you know, return to something that um, Nina Turner said a little bit earlier in the conversation about the um, sanctity of life and, mm-hmm. of, um, you know, the sanctity of uh, innocent um, people. And, um, you know, uh, also on a side note, um, uh, you know, Ms. Turner was uh, on the cover of uh, In These Times uh, last year in our May um, issue, um, uh, in, in large part because of uh, your courage. And uh, thank you so much um, uh, for uh, for being on on the cover of the magazine there. Um, there is a fundamental Jewish principle that says that if you take a life, it is like you have killed the entire world. And this is a fundamental Jewish principle. It is one of the principles we hold most sacred. It is one of the teachings that uh, all Jews are uh, taught uh, growing up, that were taught in synagogue, that were taught uh, as a social justice principle. And this Jewish teaching, this Jewish principle is being ignored, is being dismissed, is being desecrated and spit on by the Israeli government. As we're seeing so many thousand dead right now, as we're seeing so many thousands of dead Palestinian children right now, as we're seeing so many uh, people um, still under rubble right now. Um, And so what I want to argue is that what we're seeing right now from the Israeli government, what we're seeing right now from APAC in the Anti-Defamation League, and particularly from APAC, which is deeply, deeply out of touch with the American public, an American public that overwhelmingly wants a ceasefire right now. What I want to argue is that these are not Jewish organizations. These are pro-Israel organizations. These are Israel-at-all-cost organizations. These are organizations and people that would rather align themselves with the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world than they would uh, Jews who are working to uphold uh, this principle that to take a life is to end the entire world. And so I think that, you know, one of the things that we're seeing with the Hill Harper situation is something that really couldn't be any clearer. You know, we hear that APAC has this stranglehold on Congress, but when I hear that APAC is, you know, trying to throw $20 million at Hill Harper, when I hear APAC is about to throw $100 million uh, at the squad, when I hear and we know that APAC spent more than $3 million 
trying to unseat Summer Lee. What I see is that APAC is a desperate organization, a desperate organization that is failing desperately and has completely lost the next generation of voters and the next generation of American Jewish voters. So what do they do when they're doing this? They return to their old playbook and they move forward the only way they know how. They target people of color. They try and pit Jews against people of color. They try to stoke fears and racism in Jewish communities. They lean hard on Islamophobia and xenophobia and anti-blackness. And ultimately, they try to buy their way out of their own mess. But it's not going to work. And what this moment is telling us, what everything we're seeing on the left since October 7th is telling us, is that this is not going to work that the left refuses to be marginalized, that the progressive Jewish left refuses to be marginalized, and we will no longer accept the vilification of Muslims and Palestinians. And progressive Jews in particular are really understanding the importance of solidarity and being in solidarity with people of color. Um, you know, this is uh, something that uh, in progressive Jewish communities, which of course are multiracial communities themselves, uh, talk about uh, constantly and deeply about the need to be in solidarity with others and about the need for safety through solidarity. Nina Turner, your thoughts? Yeah, just um, amening. Yeah, amen. I was on mute. Just amening everything mm-hmm. that uh, Chairman Keith said and, and Brother Ari as well. I mean, they between the both of them, they, they hit everything, just full circle. And I love it about, you know, almost every... When when uh, Chairman McKee said almost every ethnic group plays us, meaning black people, the same way, oh, my God. I mean, I could listen to that history lesson all day long. And when Brother Ari said, talked about, you know, the whole notion of these groups like APAC or DMFI, Democratic Majority for Israel, uh, Israel at all costs organizations. And that is a key point, all costs. And when I think about this issue, besides, you know, what happened to me, and thank you, Ari, for in these times and so many other of our progressive uh, Jewish sisters and brothers who have been by my side and who are still right by my side. I mean, I was just with uh, Madea Benjamin uh, uh, a week ago on, on Friday in New York, you know, together with her and some other uh, progressive Jewish people and progressive Muslim or Arab American sisters and brothers, because we often mm-hmm. assume uh, not all Arab Americans are Muslim. Muslim. And many of them are, but they come from different faith traditions and some are atheists and agnostics too, you know, just like the rest of us. So, but to be in fellowship with people like that, Andy Shalah, who owns a busboy and poets and so many others of us gathered and to be in that kind of robust community talking about the very issues, Sister SJ, that we're talking about right here on your show. But the point um, that Brother Ari made about the whole Israel at all costs organization, that has a part of my trauma over this. It's not just what happened to me individually. This, 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 I'm just a conduit, you know, but I'm a flesh and blood conduit. Make no mistake. I got feelings too. But it is, once I was able to even see beyond myself, it is globally what this kind of thing means. And in its wake, I mean, we don't, you know, unless the forces of good, and I'm not talking about forces of, because none of us are perfect, but I'm talking about the forces of good, those of us who humanity and we're willing to fight for it all across the globe this kind of thing could trigger a WW3 and when I think that far out 
that is what makes what Brother Ari said so profound. Israel at all cost types of organizations. Um, I think it was uh, uh, one of our other attorneys who talked about, you know, the military industrial complex too, the, the, the military lobby as well. So it's all of these things. They're building one on the other, on the other, on the other. It's and the right reason wing, why. Right. So when you right hear Ben wing. Shapiro talking about, oh, Israel can use yeah. nukes. I'm like, how can you be so casual yeah. about this? Or, or, or just level. They was like level Gaza, uh, turn it into a parking lot, yeah. uh, push push them out. They called Palestinians animals. And let me remind people, Netanyahu is a reflection of a right-wing Israeli government. That's just what it is. He has said, and people could go, and all you got to do is Google it. He has been very clear that he said under his watch, you know, there will be no Palestinian state. I mean, so so how, how do we, you know, how, how do we expect our Palestinian sisters and brothers and allies to take that? He said no Palestinian state on his watch. So, so is there any gray there? I mean, am I misunderstanding that? I mean, I think that's crystal clear. And you have people like him on the right wing side who are willing to do any and everything, even if ultimately it could cost us the world. That should be troubling to everybody. You know, and let me just... Oh, Reverend Dr. Heary, I mean, it's almost like you're going to like pray us out. I mean, because you saw, you heard from Reverend Thurston how the Bible's being misused, how it's being abused. Um, I mean, you even the founder of Zionism invoking God, he was a, an atheist. I mean, this is just, I think that Senator Turner's point about us moving to, we're on the brink of a third world war. I mean, these people are casually talking about using nukes. You know, you have Netanyahu who went to the U.N. just a few months ago. He presented a map of the new Middle East. He didn't have Palestine or Palestinians in it. How do you do that? That was in September. Well, good morning, Santita, and to uh, my esteemed colleagues. And I've been intrigued by the conversation. I think there are a couple of things that, that come to mind. And one is... Uh, the utility of words, sometimes we throw them around loosely and don't put context or definition around them. Uh, politics is a game of principle, not popularity. And there's a distinction. When you're trying to be popular, you lose your moral suasion. When you're principled, you often lose your political allies. There's a difference between having agency and being an agent for an external interest. So when someone comes along and says, let me purchase you, literally, to fulfill my interest and my needs, it is a dehumanization of your agency, and it is an assault on your principle. So when you speak your mind as an independent principle thinker, as opposed to sticking to talking points written for someone else's interest, you become a threat. And I think uh, Pastor Thurston is right. We've lost the edge of theological independence, this biblical mythology of religious supremacy, of a chosenness by a stolen birthright. That's the text. Now, you can't always de- preach that in some settings because your folk going to walk out and lock the doors on you. And so we have to be careful 
that we don't misunderstand this moment. Progressivism is less wedded to the religious mythology of chosenness. It's, it's committed to justice. And justice involves everybody, not just somebody. It involves all interests, not just some interests. And if we're going to stand on this, we have to be willing to be principled and not popular. And if we're looking for friends, we're in the wrong game. And so here's what we got to get to. Here's what this ultimately comes down to is we got to get back to financing grassroots campaign. That's Nina Turner's whole point. Because when you start needing to raise all of this money to run for public office, particularly at the national level, you then turn yourself into, you know, there's a difference between a trip court. They involved in the same line of work, but they ain't charging the same prices. Let's be real clear. If all you're going to do is be a high-dollar high escort for somebody else's interest simply because their form of payment is different, you're not changing the business. You're just changing the transaction. And so we got to be real clear. Here's, here's what I, I went back and I thought about Abraham Joshua Heschel. He said something that was really profound. He said, we're a generation that has lost the capacity for outrage. And he said, if we don't remind ourselves in a free society Everybody's involved in what some are doing. Some are guilty. All are responsible. And if those who are outraged sit on their outrage, if they don't have the, the opportunity or the will to express their outrage, they go from being responsible, being part of the overall context, to being guilty. And we cannot go down being guilty because we've chosen to be silent. That's the issue in this moment. Hmm. Ari, why don't you respond to Tracy? I've got two minutes before we go. She said there's no connection between the Israel at all cost faction of the Democratic Party and Republicans. Other than racist, GOP is 100 percent in support of cleansing Gaza, not us. This is not, to me, an issue about party, Tracy and Ari. This is about principle. Because the thing is, if you don't support a ceasefire on all sides, you're supporting ethnic cleansing. Shame on you. I don't care who you are. The fighting has to stop, Ari. We, we can't, I mean, now people are waiting, oh my goodness, what's going to happen in the next 24 hours with the prisoner exchange? Because we got to get back to the fighting. Are you for real? The last 90 seconds belong to you, Ari. Thanks so much, and, and that's really gracious. Um, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that I'd point out is that when it came to censuring uh, Congresswoman Tlaib, um, <clears throat> of the 22 Democrats who joined nearly every Republican member in voting in favor of the resolution, um, at least 14 took campaign contributions from APAC. Um, and in total, those lawmakers received uh, almost a uh, million dollars. And that's based on an article um, that's on our homepage right now uh, about APAC from Naomi Lachance that was edited um, by uh, Miles Lawson. And so while I agree that there is a bit of a difference, you know, of course, between um, Democrats and Republicans, right now what we're seeing in the House of Representatives is that only somewhere around 5% of the House of Representatives, and it's almost, I believe, entirely people of color, almost entirely Congress people of color, have signed the ceasefire resolution, including in Illinois, of course, uh, Representative Delia uh, Ramirez. Um, 
And, and Jonathan Jackson. Are, and Jonathan Jackson, excuse me, yeah. <laughs> and, okay. uh, and so, uh, um, and, 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 uh, and I believe uh, Chewy as well. Um, That's right. And there, and there are, you know, 435 uh, members of the House of Representatives. We're talking about 5%, only 5%. I've signed this right now. And we are seeing the tide turning a little bit. We are seeing some cracks uh, developing within the Democratic Party uh, right now. Um, we, um, you know, did see uh, Representative Schakowsky, um, uh, I believe yesterday or the day before, also calling mm-hmm. uh, for an extended ceasefire. But, you know, there's a awful long ways to go. And I think the bottom line uh, for me is that none of these, uh, parties. Neither of these parties represents the American public. We're talking Ari, about an American here. public. Yeah. Ari, yeah. hold on.